Aaron has shared up here, uh, has done that, but I wanted to bring it back because uh, reasons, yeah. So if you all could. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? chose to cut it there because if you haven't seen the show that that song is from the rest of that makes no sense um, so uh, similar to how I shared when I when I shared in the class I'm gonna kind of blow through a lot of background because um, it just kind of sets the stage for for the reason that I'm up here um, I was born and raised in Knoxville um, there's not really a whole lot there my I mean, my parents still live there. One of my sisters is there. My other sister's um, grad school in Colorado. Um, growing up, you know, church doors, if they were open, I was there. Um, my dad's a college professor. My mom taught at the high school I went to. So um, when it came time to come to, come to college, uh, I ended up at MTSU. And the, um, the honest reason I went to MTSU is because they paid me more money. So um, looking back, that's a really superficial way to have made just what I would call the turning point decision of my life. Um, college itself is fine. Um, classes were whatever, but that's not really why I'm up here. Um, I struggled through uh, my share of friendships, uh, seemingly flittering on the outside of various friend groups and never really connecting. Um, looking back, I, I see my own role in that because I'm raised to have been so academic. There's a there's a side of cynicism to that where 
I have a hard time letting people in and I have a hard time trusting. And when you can't do that, it's hard to have friendships. Um, so as a human being who inherently craves connection, I, I think we can all see the issue and the, the disconnect there. Um, that said, I did still end up with a decent amount of who I would call my people. Um, some I would still call that today, even having been out of college almost a decade, which is also an upsetting realization. Um, these people near the end of college and in the years since were crucial because the tail end of college was when I first experienced depression. Looking back, I don't remember a whole lot specifically in that time. Um, it should probably worry me more than it does, but I'm choosing to accept the blessing that that is. Um, I remember the descent into feeling bitterly alone. Even in a crowded room, even surrounded by all my friends. And in those moments, it feels like it will never change. And I talked with my friends, I talked with Meg, um, I talked with Nathan, I don't know if uh, Nathan Jernigan's in here today, but just kind of getting my head screwed on straight, um, ended up in therapy and, and fought through that then. And six months ago, that's probably where this story ends. It's, this is what happened, this is what I went through, and I'm on the other side. Uh, but... Um, in, the, in the time since, just to speed through, again, um, almost a decade of life happening, there, um, there were some things that happened in the second half of last year that challenged a lot of the progress that I had made. And looking back, I didn't treat those events with the respect that they or I deserved. Um, I was very stubborn. I thought, I've built myself up, I can handle it. I can get through this. And I couldn't. Something broke. And for as much of my past as I don't remember, I remember this night upsettingly well. It was the first night that I had a panic attack. And after years of, of being okay and being fine, it was horrifying. The, the visual that it feels like to me, and because it's, the, it's a, a thing that manifests itself differently for everyone who goes through it, it's like at the mall or at Walmart where they have the, the coin thing where you put the coin in and it just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins. It felt like that, but emotionally. And at the bottom of the bucket was, there's just one way out. And I didn't like that. Because <laughs> that's a, a feeling that I've had and fought and ignored and just tried to push through for years. Um, and it never felt more real than in that moment. The, the challenging statement and what <laughs> I debated, uh, even if I wanted to include in my notes, is um, 
There's no way to truly know this for certain, but I believe there's every likelihood that I have not had a week where I haven't actively or passively thought about killing myself in the entire time anyone here has known me. <sighs> Sometimes it's not, it was mostly passive of just ideation and, and dealing with that on and off for, for years. Um, and it's, it almost feels dumb to say, but there's a, I have a semicolon tattoo on my wrist and there were days the past few months that it kept me alive. And I don't mean to be um, exclusively doom and gloom up here. Um, I'm still here. And I know with absolute certainty that God put people in my life in moments I needed them. Hearing uh, John King talk a few weeks ago about the importance of people um, in various stories really cemented my decision to... to have reached out to Greg to say, I'm ready to be up here. Um, and hearing John, even before that, say he had been very deliberate with saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I will send this in an email so you know and you can come back to it. Um, <laughs> because in the midst of crap, and I'm very proud of myself, uh, in the midst of that, <laughs> All, the, all these things in the past, this past fall, I had a friend reach out um, in my Twitter DMs of all places to just say, I recognize what you're going through. I see what you're going through. I've gone through it. Uh, can I pray for you? And I was like, yes, I'm not going to tell anyone no for that. Um, and he reached out a few more times over the, the next couple of weeks with that. And it was just, I still lean on the memory of that. Um, every now and then. Um, I had a, separately, I had a friend of mine from college who still lives local, and I genuinely don't believe I've seen since college uh, reach out to me and just say, hey, I see you're going through some stuff. You know, his door's always open. And it was. I don't think I had seen him in a decade, and I went to his house, and I just unloaded. And there was no judgment. There was just compassion, empathy, and love. That was a hard night. So trying to wrap this up so we can get to our two, uh, our two questions here. Um, the thought that I kept coming back to with being up here is where does this all leave me spiritually? And the truth is I'm not sure. I think... Um, a lot of days, most days, I'm in the place where Jen said that she was, is I'm not looking for God. And in that place, I think what, it, what I'm boiling down to is that mental health is a journey. It's a struggle. But the place I keep coming back to is that people can't pick you up if they don't know you fell. So reaching out, being vulnerable, being up here for me specifically um, is terrifying. But people need people. And there's every chance um, someone you know is going through what I did and what I am. And it's a conversation that we need to be able to have.
So um, I don't know if RFC still does this, and Dean can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't see a reason why you would have stopped doing this. Um, but Senior Devo, every spring, the um, graduating people, I would say the people who leave, but no one leaves. Um, we would sit up front, and one of the things we'd be asked was if we had any advice or, or anything that we would tell either our younger selves or the people who are still there. And having this microphone, having this opportunity right now, I just, my advice would be be the friend that you wish you had. Because the friends that I have are a very, very sizable reason why I'm still here. And now we get, now we get to discuss. <laughs> We're obviously going to spend some time um, praying for, for John. As he said, this is ongoing. And having shared that with us uh, for the first time in this way, um, we, we just absolutely have to pray with you and for you. And um, that's a part of our congregational responsibility. But um, for now, we'll get there. For now... Um, let me remind you of our first discussion question, which is, where do you see evidence of God's grace in John's story? As a discernment practice, we're training our eyes to perceive the ways in which God is at work in our stories. So where do you see evidence of God's grace? And I'm going to give you a moment to... Ponder that while you listen to uh, Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that He may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord forever spurn and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. 
the very deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies thundered, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So we'll take uh, 10 to 15 minutes. Where do you see evidence of God's grace? Have at it. They're great. God's grace. Uh, some other things that we talked a lot about was the timing of things. That, uh, for example, you, you referenced John's sermon, friends reaching out, that it's just inconceivable when we see those type of events happening in our lives over and over and over, that it's coincidence. Mm. And, you know, one time it'd be easy to chalk that up, but when it starts happening over and over and over and we see the outgrowth of that, we know that's God's action, timing those things out. So that's, that's evidence of his grace. Uh, another area we saw was with just unforeseen value. For example, the tattoo. And you, I know you didn't elucidate what exactly was going on in that moment. And I'm sure getting the tattoo, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't off of a dare. 
the go ahead and go ahead and say what the tattoo means. Okay, um, Greg had mentioned after I after I wrapped that he was like you should probably tell people what that means. Um, so the tattoo I have it's on the inside of my left wrist is a semicolon, and I have that because um, grammatically a semicolon is where a sentence could stop and it keeps going. And there have been periods of my life where I wanted to stop and I kept going. And so in that moment, you know, that, that, that tattoo has a lot of meaning and then it's continued to have meaning uh, and, and, and perhaps ways even greater than what you, what you saw. And then MTSU is a really good example of that as well, right? So you're just, you're basing it on a, on a financial decision, not necessarily weighing everything and you saw the value of, of college education at that point, but there's just no way you could have seen the, the entire value of that decision. So that, that unforeseen value in events in your lives is absolutely evidence of God's grace. And then uh, one other thing to mention is was music. Uh, you, you, know, you started with that song and uh, arts, whether it be music or, or other forms of artwork, uh, you know, with the expression, emotion, uh, ways for things to be put into words or, or communicated that, that we may not have the ability to do on our own uh, is, is extremely powerful. And I know a lot of times, you know, we, we hear music and it's like, wow, that's, you know, godless, it's terrible values and, and all these type of things. But let us remember that, uh, that there's a lot in the Bible about music and about art and beauty. And those things belong to the Lord. And so uh, we should, shouldn't be surprised to see those having the kind of impacts it had in your life. And so, yeah, absolutely, uh, that expression of art is, is evidence of God's grace. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. Are you going to do a rap battle? Here we go. Oh, I should be there. Well, since Brian just said everything, I think... We're, we're done. No, we're just um, John, we we noticed someone mentioned your courage mm -hmm. being evidence of God's grace and um, allowing yourself to be loved. And I mean, I think it's very obvious that you have people. Meg is evidence of God's grace in your life. I mean, you you someone said constants of love in your life. I mean, Meg you are a picture of a constant in John's life. Um, but you said people can't pick you up if they don't know you fell. Evidence of God's grace is you allowing yourself to tell people of this struggle. And one that really stood out is the guy that you said you hadn't seen in a decade, but he somehow communicated to you that his door was open any time. And you remembered that. And you felt that, and you felt like you could, you know, go knock on that door. I, that that's evidence of God's grace. Um, so I'll stop there. The the additional context for that is, and it kind of does take away some of the coincidence. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm very open about a lot of these things. So at some level, I do feel like it had boiled down to algorithm of people who know me would see that he's, like, I'm struggling. And then they would have the, the wherewithal to reach out. But again, the, the courage of it is I'm very open.
So thank you. the junkie of junkies. I had the resources, but not the will to turn my life around. Didn't know how. But that was 1984 when I had a shotgun put to my head. And I told the guy to pull the trigger. I had done something awful to him. I'm saying this to say that it is possible to recover from that. I told the guy, pull the trigger. I had done something to him that he should have pulled the trigger. But God saved me. And the following week, I was into treatment. And I didn't go to treatment playing because I had just seen what could have happened. And I wasn't ready for that to happen. Keep working your program, whatever program you're working. And if, if not, come and talk to me. I'm willing to share with you whatever you need to have so that you can recover from all of the pain and suffering that you're going through. I understand because I've been there. But there is a way out. I'm over 50 years clean. And I couldn't clean it up. But he can. And he will. Don't stop. Don't lose hope. You're up there right now because you don't want to lose hope. You don't have to. You got, there are others out here just like me that's willing to share with you and show you, help you to see that there is a way back into life. Okay, a lot of what we mentioned has been mentioned. But um, first of all, thank you. And this has been a different kind of story than ones we've heard previously. And I think that there's a lot of God's grace. And you're kind of like Moses to me. Like, 
Moses. And I guess Greg's kind of like God. You got to get up and do this thing. And, uh, and you, uh, but I don't want to. I can't speak. You need to do this thing. And, and you responded to that. And that's, I think, evidence to us. But it's also evidence to you that God is the one who strengthened you to do this. Because this is difficult. Um, and Ariel mentioned that there is a, have been a gentling to those of us that have heard this story that this has a different atmosphere in our room as we listen and ponder your story. Um, we mentioned... Uh, the grace of God in MTSU being the one that gave you the most money. So here you come, and that's where you met Meg and and the friends. And I feel like God's grace has been at work in those friends to prompt them to reach out to you. Um, and then we felt like that you have great gifts of discernment and wisdom that helps you see and look and want to and, and not give in and and want to keep on um, you know it's like fall down six times get up seven kind of attitude so all of that is is from God because you're worth it Um, we noticed your reference to Nathan Jernigan. Interestingly, it was, you know, brought up in some of our discussion. The, the Sunday I preached the sermon you referenced that impacted you, I was not supposed to preach. Nathan was going to share his story that morning. So it wasn't one I'd had three weeks to prep for. Um, God was speaking and you were listening, and, and we're thankful uh, for that. Um, we're glad to know where your friends picked up on the clues you were giving. And one of, one of our folks had shared, you know, the, the danger that we just get to scrolling and we don't pay enough attention and if it's someone of our friends who's had uh, difficulties before uh, to make sure that we don't just pass it off as they're they're seeking attention uh, the, the courage to reach out and to be discerning and probably needs to go in that missional application of you know how, how do we begin to pray Lord help me to be discerning as I look through these words from people, acquaintances, friends, and not just pass by uh, some, not, not give in to our own struggles with cynicism in, in that process. Lauren? Okay. And then we'll hear from the kids' table, too. 
um, kind of adding on to what John said that um, you didn't say anyone said this, so I'm hoping no one did, but that the grace of God that no Christian friends told you, just cheer up, God's going to fix it, you should be happy, and no one told you it's because you haven't been praying hard enough. You know, they were just accepting of where you are and showed you grace through that. And I feel like that's God's grace culturally that we're more accepting of people and just going to meet them where they are with love. And I'm so glad that those are the people that talked to you and responded to you in that way. I think, I think everything else we've gotten We also talked a lot about what everyone else has said, but um, again, we just noticed a lot how evident it was that you got sent friendships that helped you through um, everything that you've gone through and um, how being able to have vulnerable friendships um, is just a really amazing thing that you you had during that experience. Mm -hmm. I want to say one more thing. I am so empathetic of the fact that you shared a song at the beginning. That song is from Dear Evan Hansen, which is from one of my favorite musicals, but it's not a cheery, hopeful musical. (laughs) Um, I've had friends that have sent songs randomly that I don't, like, we haven't had an ongoing conversation, and Sarah will send me a song every so often, and that song resonates with me through the whole week, so... I think this is going to be the song for this week. So I just I appreciate that. Sarah? Yeah, so um, I didn't get to talk to the fullness of my lovely table. We kind of floated a little bit to just hear some other perspectives because um, we're valuable. We're kind of dwindling back here on this back table. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing that I did hear when floating was that there are so many people that relate to your story and I think something was mentioned I don't remember which table it was um, but sometimes sometimes we are looking for attention and that's not a bad thing we want someone to notice that we're hurting and I think it is sometimes it doesn't feel courageous sometimes it might be reaching out in a cynical way sometimes it might be like I just want this off of me and I'm gonna put it into the void but I I am so grateful to God that he not only saw you and heard you and sees you as valuable but there were people that saw your message or saw your reaction or lack of reaction or just saw you and chose to look long enough and chose to not flinch even if you were jaded, even if you were hurt, even if you had been hurt. I know a couple people, myself included, who have heard the, oh, you'll be fine tomorrow's another day. And, and I heard some people share that. Like, oh, it, it's just a little something, something. Like, you'll be, you'll be okay. Just thug it out and grit your teeth and, you know, hard white knuckle it in and you'll be fine. And I am grateful that in God's grace, he looks at us and we can't hide from him. And as his people, we get to look at each other long enough because we really can't hide. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And Andre has something too. Hey, um, I I don't have anything profound to say. I just wanted to say that um, I admire you and that um, 
you've been on my mind since Chuck and Chili, and now I see why. And for me, that's God's work, and um, you've given me strength today. Thank you. I think it's safe to say I hate this thing as much as you do, probably. But um, one thing that I just felt like I should share, I didn't share it with the table. Um, I think one one place where God's grace was just evident to me was, I know you mentioned your the circular thing at the mall where you drop the coin down and the, the panic attack. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where at, you know, in your this whole process you were as far as like getting better with the depression and um but it's just it seemed to me like you know we all have things that we're working on whether it's work school sports and i i myself like tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist to the point where i feel like if i mess up something one time that's it and it's not. And I think it like kind of like what Chuck was saying, it's an ongoing process. And that to me is just kind of where I saw God's grace was, hey, it's not this is not the end. You know, no matter where it hits, it's not a point where he will ever quit loving you or anybody will for that matter. So that's kind of just kind of something that I saw in that. So. All right, let's pivot to um, the second question, which is what uh, are the missionary lessons that Stones River should learn from John's story? In other words, what are the lessons that we should learn in order to participate more fully in God's work around us. And rather than going back into groups, um, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't want to rush because I think that we just have to make space for, for, for processing and, 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 and having these kinds of conversations. But um, I, just as a change of pace, I think it'd be good to um, just sort of, let's just rapid fire. We got, we got very capable mic runners out here. So um, rather than going back into our table groups, we'll just boom, 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 boom. And um, I'll start us off while you think about missionary lessons, okay? Um, I think we have to keep learning the lesson that where John says... Um, People can't help you up if they don't know you've fallen. The other half of that is people can't let you know they've fallen if it doesn't feel safe to let you know they've fallen. And we have to keep, we have to lean into being a community where we don't just assume that it feels safe, where we make it so that it is safe where we say yes to these conversations, where we read psalms like Psalm 77 with all our heart and say this is a place where lament is welcome to, where, where brokenness is welcome to, 
Uh, we're not just going to put on a face of happy, peppy joy. We're going to celebrate when it's time to celebrate, and we're going to weep when it's time to weep. And, and wherever you are, that is welcome here. I think we have to learn the lesson that that is not a given, and we have to make it so. Um, so that's, that's one of my, my takeaways. This goes, this goes off of that a little bit, Greg, but John shared his testimony, part of his testimony at RFC years ago, and I remember him saying, if, I hope it's okay I share this, John, but he said, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not there yet, right? So I don't think I should be sharing my testimony because I'm not on the other side of this thing, um, which we realized that that was exactly the right time to be sharing that. And in fact, it, it really had a profound impact and I think saved somebody's life as a result of it, uh, of you sharing that. And it was being in that vulnerable place, but I'm not there yet. That's okay. We're, what is that? You know, what is that there yet place? And are any of us to that place? Um, we have to have exactly right, Greg. We have to have those vulnerable spaces like that. I wanna add on to what Greg said it means so much to people who are struggling with anxiety or anxiety or depression or fill in the blank. If you educate yourself enough to know how to communicate with people in those situations. And so that requires a lot of work for ourselves that we do, that we seek out and not just um, with mental health issues, but everything, <laughs> race relations, political discussions, like how to come into those situations with a, like John King always talked about, a person of peace mindset and um, getting to a place where we, I don't even know, the words aren't coming to me at this moment, but getting to a place where the, anyone we go to can feel safe we can just dive deep in with anyone that you have a conversation with because you have equipped yourself with the skills and abilities necessary to communicate peace, unity, and grace through your words and actions. Be the friend that you wish you had. That to me is the, the royal law. Is that what James said? Love your neighbor as yourself. I feel like that is um, a really good missional lesson in this story. And I like the way that you phrased that. Um, I was gonna, similar to what Selena said and also what Greg said, that there are some people who I'm sure you were thinking of when you were talking, um, but maybe not have mentioned unless I missed it, but um, who probably, um, didn't feel like what they were doing at the time was all that much. Um, because I know I didn't. It was just kind of a helpless feeling of like, I want to help, but I don't know how. Um, and I know that Dean is one of those people who just listened, and that can seem like it's not that big of a deal, um, but it is. And another one that made me think while Joe was talking was just um, some Sundays, John will you know, come to the car and say, I got to see Joey and that was really good. Like, I was really happy to see him. Like, just greeting people, like we don't, 
especially as an introvert, like that's my least favorite part of church. <laughs> um, but it's just the smallest things can make a really big difference. The missionary lesson that stood out to me is that people are whole people and not projects. <laughs> so, sorry, Dean, but lovely example of Dean is, um, and just a way that he reflects God's love is through that listening. And there's times where, I mean, each of us have our own story. Each of us have things that have impacted us. Each of us have things that if you look at someone at first glance, you, you can never know until you, you listen. And I think there are times where we can use our wisdom or use our story or um, try and help and, and meet that need. But sometimes the need that can be met is to just hear and to care for the heart that is hurting and to care for the mind that is reckless or chaotic at times and, and to exude the peace that God gives us that surpasses all understanding to like be that place and and then through relationship and through time, you can reflect it back to the one who is the source. Like sometimes we are the, the first face of Jesus that people see. And sometimes our words and our humanity and trying to fix or and trying to add a but or in trying to make things sound the right way, it does take the focus off of Jesus and his character and his nature. So I think it's really important that when we you know, care for one another's burdens and carry them with them and then take them to our king that we really become present and be still, knowing that God's going to handle it, <laughs> that he's a part, that he's in the midst, and, and that meekness is not weakness when we're serving one another. Um, so to piggyback, I guess, off of a few things, um, one is we are part of a body and what we've been talking about i think oftentimes we can get the idea that oh someone else will do it or even here at the church like we've got the shepherds or whatever like they will build the relationships it's impossible to have deep relationships with a ton and ton of people relationships that actually show that john can actually trust and so i think it's uh, vital that we all participate and all are listening to the Spirit's voice and all are trying to build relationships with other people because six dudes can't do it. Five women can't do it, right? Like we all have to do it. Um, I think that, that that was something. And then the other thing that was on my mind was um, some people can deeply relate to John's story and some people can't. And when you can't, it's, as we've said, Lauren pointed out, I think, you know, Amanda, like, we need to be cautious of the way that we, having a brother who his wife died, some of the responses uh, would make you want to vomit, like, and it hurt him and wounded him because people just did not know how to respond. So as we talk about sometimes not saying anything actually is a better thing, especially if we cannot relate to the situation. Um, yeah, this has reminded me of last year at the If Gathering, a woman shared about how things were going poorly in her life, and she was like, God, I'm doing all these good things for you, and my child is sick. Like, where are your promises? And then she was like, do I actually know what the promises are? And she went back, and the promises of God are his presence, not a fix. And 
So I think for those of us that like to fix things for people, just remembering presence instead of trying to fix might be a good first step when people come to us with these things. Uh, I also want to say I appreciate your uh, willingness and uh, especially when you use the word ideations because a lot of people don't know what that word means. But uh, it's very nice for someone that also struggles a lot with ideations. Um, I just want to say to not uh, lose hope. I know that's very uh, cliche to depression, but a minute-by-minute minute basis is... Uh, sometimes better than, you know, a whole day of, um, today has enough worries of its own, you know, but every minute could have worries and every minute could have deep pain. Um, but I also, I just wanted to say, um, for someone also that, that can see, I don't know if you see yourself ever as like, I'm struggling, but dang, I'm an awful person. Like, I don't talk to God. I don't read my Bible. I don't worship. I don't. But I guess to try and be patient with yourself because um, God understands. And even if you don't verbally pray, I have this philosophy that God does hear even your thoughts, your deepest thoughts. He will answer those prayers. Um and he knows that you're just trying. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, that I learned not that long ago was, uh, I'm not waving, I'm drowning. Um, and just, uh, yeah. I think what you spoke to me is to reach out because nine times out of ten I won't because I'm just so scared of what they're going to think, what I'm going to say, and things like that. And nobody wants to go to a hospital. <laughs> nobody. But, but um, thank you for uh, showing us that it's okay to do things afraid because you're still trying. Even when it's really hard to. Um, thank you all for that. I know that there are other lessons that that you, you still might share. Um, I encourage you to do that. Uh, share it with someone else. Keep the conversation going over lunch. Um, keep reflecting on what we need to learn, what the Spirit is teaching us from John's story. He's blessed us this morning by by being open and vulnerable. And I'm, I'm so re deeply grateful for that. And so I want us to bless him now. So I'm going to ask him to come down here. And as many as want, come crowd around him. And um, if a, a shepherd or two would lead a prayer, I'd be really grateful.
Papa God, we are so thankful for our brother John, sister Meg. They are so loved and needed in this body. We're thankful and we give you praise and glory for your sustaining power. We're thankful for John's bravery to share this with us and to let us all know that, the, that all of our struggles are important and that we can support and encourage each other and give you honor and glory. Lord, may our ears be open to your leading. May, we, may you give us eyes to see the needs in those around us. And even when all is smiles and happiness revealed to us, Father, by your Spirit. Um, and may our spirits encourage each other, not just in the hi, how are yous, but in the just from spirit to spirit, may your love flow through us. Anyone else? Brother Chuck? Father, we thank you for this gathering today. We thank you for the purpose of us being in this position right now. Father, your spirit has led us to be here right now, doing what we're doing right now. And we just want to thank you for taking a stance and letting us know that it's through you that we accomplish all of the good that we can. It's through you, Father. You are the reliever of stress, pain, suffering. You are the reliever. And we seek you now to just let your glory cover all of this situation. Bless our brother. Heal him. Make him whole. In Jesus' name.